Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, how we doing? Hour number two of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go out to the guest line right now. Welcome in former Minnesota Vikings head coach, also was the D.C. last year with the Buffalo Bills. And that, of course, is Leslie Frazier, who's now an NFL Network analyst. And you can see Leslie on NFL Game Day preview this Sunday at noon Eastern on the NFL channel, available on the NFL app, fast streaming platforms, and NFL.com slash NFL channel. Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. How are you? I'm doing good, Zach. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks so much for coming on. So let me start you off with the game tonight. Good one. Sometimes these Thursday night games are just dreadful. This one, a lot of big hype inside the AFC North. How do you kind of take a look at the Bengals going into Baltimore to square off against the Ravens? Well, this is a big one, Uh, probably more so for Cincinnati uh, because of the way they started their season and where they are right now coming off a loss against the Texans. Uh, So this is a game that I don't know if they can afford to lose this game in the division. Uh, Whereas Baltimore, they've been playing really, really well. Uh, It's a tough loss. Uh, this past weekend in Cleveland, uh, but they're in the driver's seat. If they win this game, they pretty much control the division. So a uh, lot riding on this game for both teams, but uh, I think it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to get past Baltimore. Lou Anarumo is a really bright defensive mind, and it gets lost in the success of the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think his message is? What do you think his emphasis is tonight when he goes up against Lamar Jackson, who is playing MVP ball once again this season. I think everything around the Baltimore offense, uh, and I agree with you with Lou, he's he's outstanding. Uh, everything starts with Lamar, and they've done a good job of diversifying the offense this season, mixing in uh, the run game, but not you know taxing Lamar so much in the run game as they have in the past, allowing him to be a little bit more of a pocket passer. I think Todd Munkin has done a really good job with that uh, but for Lou, it'll be about being able to control uh, Lamar. And when he starts moving around and, and trying to extend plays, uh, being able to limit uh, the number of ex- uh, explosives that he can create uh, on his own. And if they can get that done, not give up the explosives to this Baltimore offense, then they have a really good chance of slowing down this offense. You know, I- I'm glad that you brought up Todd Munkin because I think this gets lost. Like we look at the Ravens record seven and three. Oh, wow. They're playing great football. But you know this, being a new coordinator, a new coach, it takes time to learn your players. It takes time for everyone to get on the same page. That's what I think makes Baltimore so dangerous. I don't even think we've seen the best version of their offense yet this year, Coach. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree at all. Uh, You know, what you said is true for Todd. 
Uh, it's a matter of learning the personnel and then finding out, you know, what guys fit best in some of the things he wanted to do, say, going back to OTAs and even in training camp. So there's an evolution going on within their offense. And I would venture to say it probably won't be until uh, the last week of November, the first weekend in December, where they really hit their stride offensively because of the fact that, you know, Todd is still going through that learning phase a little bit. And so are the players. I mean, it's a new scheme for Lamar. It's a new scheme for Gus Edwards. It's a new scheme for, for all the receivers. Uh, so uh, there's there's some learning still going on uh, as they prepare from week to week uh, for each team that they get ready to play. Recently, as Leslie Frazier is here with us, you were right in the thick of the AFC. Do you still think Kansas City's the best team in the AFC, or do you maybe go with the Baltimore Ravens? You know, there was a point where I thought Baltimore was – really gaining on, on Kansas city. Uh, and they still are. I mean, they, you know what they're doing, what Mike McDonald has done uh, with the defense of the Baltimore Ravens has been very, very impressive. I mean, uh, what they're doing with points allowed uh, and what they're doing in the red zone has been exceptional. Uh, you expect their offense to be pretty good just because of Lamar's ability to be able to create on his own. But Zach, seeing the improvement of the Kansas city chiefs defense I'm going, I was talking to Steve Spagnola just a few days ago. They had that bye week last week. And I, I told him, I said, I don't know if you guys would be where you are record-wise if it wasn't for your defense because they are much, much improved. And there have been some games I don't think they would have won if it wasn't for their defense playing as well as they have. And you couldn't have said that in years past uh, because they kind of struggle on offense, getting their receivers on the same page with Patrick and finding it another uh, special player other than Travis on offense. So uh, because of the way Kansas City's defense is playing, and they'll be tested uh, this this Monday night versus the Eagles, I give the edge to the Chiefs because of the way their defense is playing. Yeah, it's a great point that you bring up. And, and I actually I texted Spags. It was after week three or week four, and I said, your defense isn't getting enough credit because usually yeah. in years past when they win, their defense doesn't start to get those timely stops until – November or December, they were playing lights out early in the season and it's continuing. And coach basically responded back and said, we like when we're not getting the attention. <laughs> and you know, that's such a coach's answer. Cause you never want your guys to start feeling themselves and then getting too big uh, for them actually. Oh yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, that's, that's something you're always concerned about guys reading their press clippings and, and people talking, you know, good things about them and they forget all the hard work they put in to get to where they are. So uh, I can definitely relate to Spag's response for sure. You being a leader, and now you look at Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. Watson was just starting to knock off the rust potentially. They were 6-3. and three. That defense is playing great. And now Deshaun is out for the season. When you lose your quarterback, and now you're back to Dorian Thompson-Robinson and P.J. Walker, as a coach, you being a leader of men, what's the message to the guys this week in Cleveland? Well, somehow, some way, you got to convince the guys that it's the next man up mentality, even though, like you said, Deshaun was really, I thought for this past weekend, that was the first time you really saw flashes of what he did in Houston, and you were really getting excited about the potential. Uh, but you have to rally the guys around uh, DTR or uh, if it becomes someone else at the quarterback position. Uh, but you don't want that to become an excuse not to go out and put forth your best effort and give yourself a chance to win. So uh, I know Kevin Well, he's going to do a really good job 
of really bringing it to the guy's attention, the importance of every man doing his job and not feeling like I got to do more or having that doom and gloom outlook on the rest of the season. They still have a chance, the way their defense is playing, to, to sneak out some wins and be right in the thick of it uh, in late December. So, uh, you know, Kevin will do a good job of rallying and, and really emphasizing the importance of everybody doing their job and believing that they can win. Leslie Frazier, you know this. There's one thing what you say to your team, and then there's one thing what you say to maybe like Andrew Barry, the general manager. As a head coach, would you be in his office this week saying, hey, let's try to get Matt Ryan out of the TV booth. Let's try to get one of these guys that have walked away from the game that aren't that far removed from playing in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they look at the Josh Dobbs situation in Minnesota and say, man, he was on our roster. Yeah, I wish we had him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Can we do a trade uh, back? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I know back in the preseason when we were watching them, we did a game, we did their game against the Eagles, and they were really high on, on Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And uh, then he played in that Baltimore game, uh, and he didn't look quite the same. And part of that, you know, in the preseason, you're so vanilla on defense. It's a lot different than what happens in the regular season. So I'm sure they have some angst about, you know, what could potentially be. Uh, but they're giving him another chance this weekend, and hopefully he'll play well. But the guys around him have to play well also. And if that's the case, uh, like I said earlier, they have a chance to really stay in the thick of it because of the way their defense is playing. Talking to Leslie Frazier right now, you mentioned Josh Dobbs. I think it's one of the more incredible stories that we've seen, if not the most incredible story of the NFL season, bouncing from team to team to team and getting no time to prepare. What he's done the last two weeks in, in Minnesota, and I know you used to coach the Vikings, has just been sensational. Oh, yeah. When I watched their, their game, his first game, uh, when the quarterback got uh, concussed, yeah, And he had to come in with no practice during the week, uh, you know, just being fed information by Kevin O'Connell on the headset and seeing his performance, man, I was like, I think that was against Atlanta they were playing. Just an incredible, incredible feat. And, and he did the same thing. I remember watching their game against Dallas, the way he played when he was at Arizona. Uh, he played lights out when they upset yeah. uh, the was uh, when the Cardinals played him. So in week three, yeah, uh, he had he has some talent, and uh, my hat goes off to him. What he's been able to do, bouncing around from team to team and still playing at a high level, it tells you something about his character and obviously his intelligence as a football player as well. He is uh, he's one of the guys I, I, I enjoy watching for sure. Kirk Cousins, and this is no knock, he's a really good player. I don't think he's a great quarterback. There's a difference to me from good to great. But he's a free agent at the end of the year. He was balling out before, unfortunately, having the Achilles injury, and the Vikings were getting right back on track. Do you think Kirk is done in Minnesota with that free agency upcoming, or is there a chance for, for a reunion this offseason? Boy, with the, with the, the dollars that he's going to demand, um, you know, I, I don't know if the Vikings really have much of a choice unless Josh continues to play like he's playing. I don't know if he's the long-term answer, but he's sure playing well enough to – uh, make this division a lot more interesting than it was before the injury to Kirk because uh, Detroit seemed to be in position to run away with the division. Uh, but now that's not so much the case. Uh, but I would think knowing what's out there at the quarterback position, they almost have to bring Kirk back. Uh, and if they choose not to, then you're rolling the dice a little bit about, you know, who's going to be your quarterback. Uh, he's, you know, can he take you to the Super Bowl? That question is still to be answered, but he's, sh he's shown that he's 
good enough to help you to win a division and get you into the playoffs. And you, so what, what are your options? I mean, that's something that the scouts will have to tell them about the draft and free agency. But when you watch what's happening this year, Zach, with quarterbacks and injuries, Man, you know, Kirk looks better and better, uh, you know, every week, uh, even though he may not be uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's still a guy you can win with. Talking to Leslie Frazier, you obviously know the Bill situation well. Uh, Ken Dorsey gets fired this week after losing to the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Just how did you react to that when it came on down on Tuesday? Man, I was really, uh, you know, hurting for, for Kenny. I mean, he's a good friend of mine obviously and you know we worked together for years and uh you know it, it, it hurt me Zach because uh you know I hate to see coaches get fired especially during the season I mean that's that's a hard thing and uh you know I actually spoke to Kenny this morning and just tried to encourage him and and he was in good spirits man he really lifted my spirits just in talking with him he you know he's not down and dejected like I thought he would be uh he felt like you know, I did everything I could, Leslie, to put the guys in position, and we just came up short. And uh, uh, so he'll 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 land on his feet. Uh, it's not a situation anybody would want to be put in, and uh, but he'll he'll learn from this experience, and I think he'll be a better coordinator down the line. You guys were moving so close in Buffalo, and then this year it's starting to move the other way. And I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. What do you think needs to change with the Bills for them to? get back on track and, and right this ship. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot going on uh, right now and they're in foreign territory after, you know, changing coordinators and putting Joe, Joe Brady in, in that position. Now it's almost like starting over again in some ways, but uh, I'm sure Sean was looking at ways to energize the entire team and interject some, some confidence, but, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the answer is, Zach. I mean, they've got a tough road ahead of them. Uh, I know for a fact, you know, we we were able to put together some strings in years past where we could win five in a row, six in a row, seven in a row. Uh, they've got the talent. They're capable of doing it. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl on, on the NFL Network. I, th I thought they had the, the pieces to do it. Uh, and it's just a matter of how the guys respond to this change. Uh, is it one where it could divide the locker room or is it one where guys are going to rally and come together and, 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 and play above the circumstances? And nobody knows that. Well, welcome to the analyst world. Welcome to the uh, hosting world. Usually our predictions are more wrong than, than being right. So <laughs> welcome. Yeah. You, you know, that's your rookie moment <laughs> kind yeah. of yeah. with the Bills uh, uh, yeah. Super Bowl prediction. Um, yes. What is the, the truth with your departure from Buffalo? Because so much has been said. I read so many different things. Why are you no longer with the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, it just got to a point for me, Zach, where I just felt like this was something I needed to do at this stage in my career. You know, that 2022 season was, it was a challenging year with some of the things yeah. that happened with the bar, some of the things that happened with our team, having to go to cities and stay in cities and not get back and, and, and forth. And, you know, we were getting ready to go back to the combine uh, and I was at home um, and just thinking about it, man, about that I want to go back for another year. And I just made the decision I was going to take the year off and just see what happens from there. And uh, and I don't, I don't regret the decision. Uh, I do miss the guys. Uh, Tredavis White was here in Los Angeles, uh, where I am. Awesome. Uh, doing his uh, rehab. He had his surgery here. And I went down and spent some time with him. Uh, and we were just reminiscing 
uh, uh, you know, he's coming off that Achilles uh, surgery. And we were just reminiscing and talking about our times together. And man, some of the things he said kind of inspired me and made me think about, you know, getting back into it. And when he talked about, you know, what I meant to him and, 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 and his teammates and moments like that make me think about getting back. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And last thing that I'll just ask you when it comes to the Bills, Sean McDermott's job gets called into question. You know what that's like. People are wondering, is it time for a change? Do you still believe Sean could find a way to fix this thing in Buffalo? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's got a strong staff with Eric Washington, his assistant head coach there. And uh, there's some other guys, uh, Kelly Skipper, Joe Brady. I mean, there's some other guys on the staff that will – support Sean and, and help him get the ship turned in the right direction. Uh, even though they're on the outside looking in right now, you look at all the teams with four and five losses, they're still right, right on there. the verge of, of making something happen. So, uh, you know, he's he's proven in the past that he can lead a team to success, and I think he can again. You know, just wondering, when you look at Josh, with Josh Allen, using your defensive coordinating mind, where you were in the same locker room as him, even though you're on a different side of the ball. If you were going up against him as defensive coordinator, what would you try to do to Josh Allen with what you've been seeing on tape recently? Yeah, you know, in the past, people were always concerned with his mobility. And now he's running a whole lot less and becoming more of a pocket pass. Now, that may change under Joe Brady. They may let him get back to some of the things he's really done to put a lot of pressure on defenses. Uh, but if you don't have to worry about him running and making those splash plays with his legs, then you're just going to play coverage like teams are doing. And, uh, and, and they, you know, gotten some big plays just playing coverage without bringing pressure, uh, sitting back and playing zones and he's not going to run. And, uh, it's worked out well for teams. So you just copy. And that's what everybody's doing. They're just copying what, what they saw the Jets do in the first game of the season what New England did, uh, what Cincinnati did, and then what we saw uh, last week with Cincinnati. Just sit back, play zone. He's not running, so we don't have to worry about it, and, and they're having success. Leslie Frazier's an NFL Network analyst. You can see him on NFL Game Day Preview this Sunday at noon Eastern on the NFL Channel, available on the NFL app, fast streaming platforms, and NFL.com slash NFL Channel. Coach, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you, Zach. We'll take a break. It is the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare, M1 out. Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com.
Let's get to a news brief. for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. The Gronker, Rob Gronkowski, talking about Mac Jones on Up and Adams with Kay Adams. He's not respected in New England. Coach Belichick has played all these games with him. Bailey Zappi isn't even close to being on Mac Jones' level. You should never, ever sit Mac Jones. You tried it once. You tried it twice. It's not working. Now he's doing it again. He won't name a starting quarterback. He's not respected there. I think Mac Jones should ultimately, even right now, should just go ask for his release. If you're talking to me about what he should do, ask for his release. And then if it's granted, he should go sign with the Cleveland Browns and start a new career right back. Wow. I didn't know Gronk had hot takes. I, re- I When Gronk got into the media world, I thought it would just kind of be a show. And I like Rob Gronkowski a lot, obviously. But I thought Gronk could kind of just be like the goofy guy on television. Basically be Terry Bradshaw, like the younger Terry Bradshaw. Where no one really cares what the analysis is. You just laugh anytime you hear Gronk speak or, or Terry Bradshaw speak. But that's a good, juicy take by Rob Gronkowski. Now, how would that conversation go? Mac Jones walks in. Bill, I want to get released. You're mean to me. Where? Mac, shut up. Sit down. And just take uh, your benching like a man. It's probably how it would go. I don't think the Patriots would actually release Mac Jones. But I don't think that's a bad move. If I'm Mac Jones' agent, or if I was Mac Jones... I'd be trying to go to Cleveland because Mac Jones has not played well. Duh. Easiest take. But you go back to when he actually did perform well in the NFL that first year. The line was good. So now you could go to Cleveland where you have a good line. And you have Amari Cooper who's better than anything that you have in New England. I don't think that would be a bad option for Mac. And it'd be a whole lot better than anything that the Cleveland Browns have on the roster right now. But I, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Bill's going to release him. Now, what Gronk did say, I do think there is merit to Gronk saying that Mac isn't respected in the locker room. Because notice, I used to push back on that. But notice in Germany when he got benched, he was like, looked like he was crying. He was dejected, sitting there on, on the sideline. And no one was like around him. Like, usually like a teammate would walk over to you, put your arm around you, or try to fire you up, something like that. No one was even talking to him. So maybe there is some validity to what Rob Gronkowski is saying. So Frank Reich a few weeks ago gave up the offensive play calling to Thomas Brown. Now he's taking it back. Here is maybe the most dysfunctional team right now in the NFL with a dysfunctional owner in David Tepper. But let's listen up to Frank Reich on why he's saying the play calling duties will go back to him. The way I look at it, you know, in this league, it's a game of inches. It's a game of, you know, small increments. If you can find ways to get 1% better here, 1% better there. What if my experience, I just won't be able to live with myself if I didn't bring every ounce of that to bear on these last eight games. I think it's pretty obvious what happened here. So when he gave up the play calling duties, it was during the bye week. And then they come on out. It's not as even if the offense was, like, electric. They only put up 15 points. 
and they take care of business up against the Houston Texans. So that's like, okay, that's working. You know, something went right there. Now maybe we'll continue it. And then the last two weeks, once again, did not get the good results against Indianapolis or Chicago. So I'm just going to throw this out there. This is not with any sourcing. This is not with someone saying this to me. This is just my opinion. What I think happened here, because David Tepper's a control freak and tries to put his hand in the cookie jar way too many times. I think David Tepper during the bye week said, hey, Frank, you're giving up the offensive play calling duties. Thomas Brown comes in, gets them. And then after a few weeks, there's not a lot of progress. And it wouldn't surprise me. David Tepper's like, ah, just do what you want now. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Frank Reich, is he back next year in Carolina? Is this a one and done situation? I'll go around the room. I'll start with Stu. Is Frank Reich shown the door at the end of the season? I think he's done. I think this is a one and done. They're just so bad. They're probably going to end with the worst record, not have that first pick. Yeah, I, I think he's he's gone. How much out of 100%? Give me a percentage. Um, I'd say 65%. Okay. Samter, Frank Reich back next year. I can't see it. So he's signed for another three years after this. Does money matter, though, the Tepper? Well, this is not... Even though Mark Davis just paid the contract, this is not Mark Davis. This is not the Spanos family. I understand, but like they just got rid of your boy Matt Rule, who had a lot of years left on his long seven-year deal. Yeah, but I do think a lot do you of that. Pay three coaches at once. But but hold on, I think they don't have to pay all of that because Rule, there was offsetting language with the deal that he just signed with with Nebraska. I mean, listen. Frank Reich, I think you went into this year knowing you are going to be bad again. I don't think they had a, hot, a lot of expectations with the rookie quarterback and trading away your best two offensive weapons for draft picks. Like, I don't think that there was a lot of expectation for them to be good this year. So I don't – I mean, it is a dumpster fire, but I think you have to give them at least one more year with Bryce Young. So I did a sportsman in a few weeks ago where I said, Frank Reich will get two years maybe – in Carolina, but he'll be fired after the 2024 season. So if you were to ask me this question two or three weeks ago, I would say 90% he's back, 10% he isn't. I think it's now 60% he's back, 40% he isn't. Maybe even 70-30, like somewhere in that range. I still lean that he'll be back, but I don't think he's going to make it through two seasons because what's going to change after this year? They got to be aggressive in free agency. Can you find a way to get T. Higgins? Can you find a way to get Devontae Adams, um, Stephon Diggs, like whoever the name is? You got to go get some talent, but there's a lot to do in Carolina, and you don't have that first-round draft pick. What do Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, on the Colorado Coaches Show, on other coaches knocking Colorado in recruiting? I don't talk about any other coaches or teams or staffs. I don't believe in that. I'm not going to put you down so I can stand up. I've never been that type of player or person in my life. But all these other schools are telling these young men and their families, I'm not going to be here. Right. You know, I, I come at it two different ways. I say, well, that's an that's a honor. They say, what do you mean? They think that we're going to be so successful that I'm going to leave. Right. So they understand what we possess and the potential that we possess. But then that's not true. I say, I would be the first to tell you. Um, I think my whole family has an anchor here right now, you know. <laughs> my mama, the dog, my, my daughter, everyone. Yes. And, and we absolutely love um, being here. We actually love it 100%. Yeah, I, like, I'm just going to be honest. This stuff goes on all the time. It goes on all the time in college football. And 
looking at it, assuming I was a player, I wouldn't care. Other coaches are coming to me and talking crap about Coach Prime. There's a lot of reasons why you want to play for Coach Prime. NIL, right? The marketing that he could do for you just by talking about you. And I know that this season has not gone the way that we thought it was going to after the 3-0 start. And it is disappointing that they're not going to be in a bowl game. But before the year, no one was talking about them going to a bowl game. So... Let coaches play their games. It happens all the time. Dion wants to go into my living room and recruit me. I would absolutely listen. Uh, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old would definitely be on the short list of saying, yeah, Coach Prime would be my short list of coaches I want to play for. So Ed Cooley went from like the nicest guy in college basketball when he was at Providence to then he bolts in the middle of the night and basically gives up on the team with like a month left in the season and had this in the works to go to Georgetown, wanted something new. Uh, Ed Cooley is 1-2 and two to start off the season. They lose to Rutgers last night. Steve Peichel is a heck of a college uh, basketball coach pounding the nails with Steve Peichel. Uh, but this is Ed Cooley with a little message to young journalists that were in the post-game press conference room last night. If I can say something to all you young writers, when you have the opportunity and you're sitting in a room like this, the only way you're going to get better is by having the courage to ask a question in these type of situations. So if, when you guys are sitting there, don't just sit there like a lump on a log. <laughs> Have a great question. Grow up and learn what it is to ask a tough question. Seriously. We owe you an answer or you owe yourself an opportunity to grow. I say that to all of you young writers. Don't sit in here and just be in awe. This shit is real. Grow up. You're in the room. Learn how to ask some questions. So I don't know what the questions were. Um... I'm kind of right down the middle on this. Where, Coach, you lost the game. How about you go win the game? And then if you want to lecture, lecture. I sometimes think when coach when coaches lose, like Beheim used to do this all the time. Coach K used to do this all the time. When they lose, they would be so frustrated. So they take out their frustration with young reporters. But it would usually be when, like, a dumb question was asked. In this case, he's basically telling them to get better. But then once again... Coach, go focus on your basketball team. Go win more games before you're the one that tries to determine if the question is good or not. So, Samter showed me this. There was a deleted scene from Rudy that was released. And here is a, uh, you know, the speech that was given about Notre Dame from Rudy's dad. What's the big deal about Notre Dame football anyway? In the old country, my father used to talk about the greatness of America, right? And he, he would say, uh, an immigrant family with nothing. They can come here and have a good life. And poor Irish and Italian, Polish boys could go and play football at this great university in the middle of the country. Our Lady of the Lord, Notre Dame, and how they would beat the rich boys from the big schools back east, Yale, Army. Mm. <laughs> so every victory by Notre Dame, that's a victory for us. Huh? Yes, but it's not the Depression anymore. In here, it's the same. Let me ask you your thought here, Stu, because you're Mr. Notre Dame. You cry when you uh, watch Rudy, just wondering? Uh, I know. I have not. I think it's really good. It's one of my favorite movies, but I do not cry at it. That's the one movie. Doesn't matter. My dad could be the happiest person in the world. I turn on Rudy, or my father's watching Rudy. He is just crying like a little baby. 
What's the movie, guys, in life that you watch that makes you cry? The one movie. Go ahead. Uh, Saving Private Ryan, definitely. Tell very, not very to. good movie. Yeah. What? What's the? Is it called The Guardian? Is that with Ashton Kutcher? I think. The Guardian. When they, um, he has that relationship with the the older guy that that uh, makes him a part of the Coast Guard or, or whatever it is, and then they're going up. And then they drop him. They have to let go of him. That that was a very emotional scene uh, where the uh, mentor does die. I think it is The, the Guardian. Uh, but that wasn't my movie. I, I was just thinking about that when, when Sue said uh, saving pri- uh, Private Ryan. Uh, mine is My Dog Skip. Whenever My Dog Skip comes on, tears, waterworks at the end when the dog is uh, unfortunately about to pass away. Samter, you big tough guy. What, what What's the movie that makes you cry? I'm wondering. There are three. Three. Two of them. I didn't know you had an- enough tears in your body. I for know. Three two movies. of them involve animals, and one of them is Titanic. Titanic. Titanic always makes me cry when she's walking up the stairs at the end. Well, and- she's very selfish, by the way, with the raft. They could have got both people on oh, the raft. After- oh, yeah, he absolutely could have been saved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Titanic, the- and what are the other two? The other two, uh, Marley and Me. You talk about uh, my dog. Good, yep, yep, Marley yep, yep. Very similar. To, and then the Lion King. I mean, when the Lion King. Oh my God! Every time when he's like, Dad. Dad, come on! And uh, you know, Mufasa's lying there. Yeah, I it's guess it's impossible so. not to cry. I'm debating if I should tell a story right here. Oh, you know the movie Up? Oh, that's a, that's another one that could make you choke up a little bit. It's beautiful. Let's say that may have been the first time I ever participated in an activity that some of the people in the YouTube chat like to participate in, and they put the movie Up on, and a few of my friends uh, had a little waterworks going on. And the big fella may have been crying a little bit. And finally, here is Carissa Thompson on Pardon My Take. And people are really annoyed with this quote by Carissa Thompson. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up. Because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Press over. The quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like they're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it, just make up the report. All right, I'm going to go to Ack on this one first because Ack has been in the business for a very long time. Um, what are your thoughts on that? A sideline reporter saying that she spoke to a coach when she didn't really actually speak to a coach. It's a good way to not have that position ever again. <laughs> so, that's terrible. That's awful. <laughs> Awful. I love a takedown of Ack. <laughs> Santa, your thoughts on this by Carissa Thompson. Go ahead. I mean, I get what she's saying that if you're just going to make up some generic quote that any coach can be attributed Play to. Play 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get it if you're just going to use some cliche that like no coach will ever deny because it just exists. But man, that's a bad look. And especially for female sideline reporters who already kind of get this negative connotation about them, especially... You know, by male-dominated, uh, uh, you know, fan base and everything like that, she just set back that role thirty years. And I see all over Twitter all these super talented uh, silent reporters, many who I've worked with with Westwood One and CBS, yeah, who have worked their wait, wait, butts off to create these incredible uh, relationships with these coaches to build trust. And she just knocked. All of that down for so many hardworking people, male, female, it doesn't matter. She just did a disservice to the position. I, I can't believe that she is that admitted a little, it and that she's doing it. Is that a little reactionary? No, like I, I'm not defending her, but let's just say 
you have a very good sideline reporter, whoever it is. Um, like, let's say Tracy Wolfson, just for example, has great credibility. Am I going to look at Tracy Wolfson now differently because of this? No. I'm just when Carissa Thompson, whenever she speaks and gives a report, I don't even know if she does the sideline slide. No, just, I think she hosts the pregame for Amazon Prime. But when she does a sideline report now, yeah, I'm going to think, oh, well, did you actually talk to someone? But I don't think that impacts the other sideline reporters. That's just me, though. Well, it, it, take, it takes away from it's, – it's, like, it's a whole. It's, yeah. it's sort of like a, a union, if you will. And if one person's doing it, how many other people are doing it, this? Exactly. It, it kind of mm-hmm. sheds a negative light on that position, and I don't, I don't think that's, that's fair to those people who have worked hard to do their job the way it's supposed to be instead of somebody treating it so frivolously. Yeah, I'm not outraged about this. Now, I'm not defending it. It doesn't make me go like, ah, when we talk about this. But with that being said, what is surprising to me is if you listen to the front end of that clip, she goes, I've said this before and I haven't got fired from it. So now I'm going to say it again. And I understand the interview setting they're in. It's on part of my take, Barstool with Big Cat and uh, PFT. It's more of a relaxed kind of setting. But just because you said it and no one reacted to it, I don't know if that's a smart idea to go on the like one of the biggest podcasts in the world and then say this again. And I would think that, yeah, Ack is, is probably right. She doesn't get many more sideline gigs. Stu, your uh, thoughts on this here? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, I, I don't take a lot of from these sideline reports as much as I guess used to. I'm more on Twitter now during these games, and you see yeah. stuff on Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a bad look. You know what her punishment should be? She should have to only be a sideline reporter when Bill Belichick is the uh, coach. And then if she does basketball, Greg Popovich. So for like four more games then. (laughs) It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's get to the latest CBS Sports Radio update with the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. Alrighty. I'm really annoyed when people aren't polite. And I know people could laugh. You, the guy that yells at people on the radio, gets annoyed when people aren't polite. I'm talking about the simple things. You get off a subway or you get off a train. And the moment the doors open, there are people that are waiting on the platform. And they don't let people out first. It drives me crazy. I'm a large human being. You little lady with the bag over your shoulder and your man who's like 5'8" that are trying to burst through the doors opening by the train. Where are you going? You're not getting around my large six-foot-four fat ass. All righty? And then you go to a restaurant. Two people meet at the entrance of the restaurant. One person's exiting. The person that opens the door at at the restaurant, you would think, oh, let this person out. No, they barge right in. It's simple etiquette. If you get to a door at the same time, the person's that is leaving the train, leaving the establishment, leaves first. It's so easy. Not the person that arrives at the front of the door, just bursts through. You let the person out. And then also, when you're on an airplane, when someone's seated in front of you and the plane lands, I don't understand why people jump up right away to get to the overhead bin, and then you let the person out in front of you first. Not just be some pretentious meanie. I was about to say a word that I wasn't allowed to say on the radio. All righty, that's my PSA. Go ahead, Sam. What do you got? All right, mine has something to do with something that happened uh, this week in sports. Uh, Or, I guess, today in sports. You're really serious here. 
Yeah, because I don't really... know. Like you have like a somber tone to you. Well, Is that, no, did I, I miss mean, something? Because I feel for the fan base in Oakland. Ah. That not only have they lost the Raiders, they're now losing the A's as MLB owners have officially voted to approve the A's move from Oakland to Vegas. Unanimous. And what pisses me the bleep <laughs> off is when these high and mighty billionaire owners who have money out the wazoo, who could literally buy a city if they wanted to, who could fund the average American's life for a lifetime and, and their kids without even thinking twice about it. Give these sob story statements and these <laughs> sad goodbyes. We tried everything. We maintained it forever. We really wanted to do everything to keep it in Oakland. Wah, wah, wah. We, we looked into all these other different options, but ultimately the hurdles proved to be too great. Shut up! You're a billionaire. Keep the team in Oakland. You want to say that you care about the fan base in Oakland? Keep them in Oakland. You're a billionaire. Fine, maybe you're not making quite as much money. Fine. Maybe the Coliseum is old and crappy and you need a new stadium. Fine. Suck it up and deal if you care about the fan bases. Don't try to give these sob story that you had to move. You don't have to do anything. You're a business owner. All you care about is the bottom line and the money. You don't care about the fans. You don't care about the players. You don't care about anything else but yourself and the bottom line. So don't give me this sob story. Get the hell out of Oakland. Go to Vegas. And I never want to hear from John Fisher again. You know, I kind of agree with everything that you just said. But with that being said, if I was owning the A's, I would move them to Las Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably would too. I mean, Vegas is cool. I love you know, Oakland, but I mean, Vegas is awesome. Give credit to Gary Bettman. All these teams are afraid of Vegas, and all these sports are afraid of Vegas. He goes right to Vegas, and then everyone else follows. Stu, what do you got? Uh, mine is on the NBA. Uh, it's not the Draymond suspension. It's not the in-season tournament, which I don't like, but it's two other things. It's the these courts, these horrible eyesore of courts that they use during these <laughs> tournament games. They are terrible. They look like a three-year-old spilled paint on a canvas, and that is the court. Ridiculous. And the other thing is, NBA jerseys. I know now they have like four, five, six jerseys per team, obviously to make money. I miss the days where the home team wears the white jersey, the away team wears the color jersey, and away we go. Now we have all these different combinations. We have teams wearing their home jerseys on the road, their road jerseys at home. It's ridiculous. I know I sound like an old man. I sound like my dad. My dad has the Get same complaint. But it is just, it is not a good watch, in my opinion, between the courts and the jerseys uh, where the NBA is right now. By the way, talking about your jersey-ish today, what are you wearing? I know it's not a Virginia Tech uh, sweatshirt, but people are wondering that it's, in the chat right now. It's a soccer. It's a Liverpool, like, training jersey. Is there a, a training jersey? Yeah. Liverpool sucks. <laughs> Here's the guy complaining about all these different jerseys well, as he's wearing a training jersey. That, that's a fair point. That, that's a, actually a very fair point. Is there a certain chant for Liverpool fans? There's a lot of chants. Can, can you give me a, a sampling one here? Uh, let's see, one without a curse in it. Oh, it there, right. There's a lot of ones that, that Jamie have... Jamie Salah, Mo Salah running down the wing. Salah, the Egyptian king. That's a player. That's their best player, Mo Salah. Gotcha. He may or may not have scored two goals against my favorite team this weekend. He did. All right. That's way too much soccer for the Zach Elb show on CBS Sports Radio. All righty. Good PSAs today. We'll take a break. Kirk Cousins, already a surprise team, could be interested in his services, according to one prominent 
NFL Insider. We'll give you that story when we return. Also, 25 minutes from now, Barrett Salee, CBS Sports uh, College Football Analyst, will stop by as well. Zach Gilb Show. But where else? CBS Sports Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.